So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day, hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Welcome back to Drink in the Movies. We are not drinking something from Hellbent Brewing Company today. What are we drinking? We are drinking a Harvest Lager from Sean Morris Cascadian 8 Brewing in Woodenville, Washington. I think it's delicious. I agree. This is my first sip. Let me have some more. Ooh, yeah. That's is this a beer you can find anywhere? This is a beer you can find if you know Sean, um, but you can't shop for it if you'd like to purchase some or have some to drink. You can follow him on Instagram, um, or you can go to the show's website, our website, uh, drinkinthemovies.movie.blog, and uh, in the About section, we have a way to put you in contact with him, or you can just go to cascadian8.com, and he has some About information where you can contact him there. Plug, plug, plug. On to Tenet. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War Three. All right, we just watched the trailer for the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet, starring uh, Elizabeth Debicki, Robert Pattinson, um, John David Washington. Mm-hmm. As well as a little Kenneth Branagh. As well. Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super excited. This is awesome. Time dilation um, solving some sort of a World War Three catastrophe event. Watching beautiful images go in reverse as actors seem to be moving forward. And I can only question how this was shot and how difficult it was for the actors, depending on if they were moving backwards in their performances so that it would appear forwards yeah. while the objects were moving back. I Wow. Yes. Please. How about you? <laughs> You're on board. Uh, I think it looks as thrilling as you would expect a Christopher Nolan movie to look. Um, I like that he's working with, you know, these new kind of up and coming actors. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Branagh, Michael Caine. Well, Nobody's. <laughs> Michael Caine's been around the block, I suppose. But Robert Pattinson, um, John David Washington. That is his name, right? Yeah. John so, David Washington. About the, those three that all you know, are so familiar um, that I feel like I'm getting it wrong. But uh, just excited to see those guys in it. Um, Vicky, too. Yeah. She was really good in that one movie that I didn't care for. Widows? Yep. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Plot-wise, it almost feels like a Mission Impossible movie, um, right? Or you'd expect Ethan Hunt to be trying to prevent um, some kind of nuclear holocaust. Well, I think that literally was the plot of the last Mission Impossible. Yeah, and it, um, but it looks like it, too, right? It's got yeah. that same... Um, to me, at least, the same lighting scheme of that tungsten tone. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, 
characteristic for Nolan, um, uh, takes itself very seriously. Not the light kind of tone you get from the Mission Impossible franchise by any means. Um, which, which I usually still really enjoy. Um, so, uh, I have high hopes. Agreed. On to Joe Wright and Tracy Letts' film, Woman in the Window. I am able to My neighbor Jane, she's been stabbed. NYPD. Why is he here? Mr. Russell believes that you made a mistake. You have never met my wife. We spent the evening together. I'm Jane Russell. She's not Jane. I know what I saw. All right, we just watched the trailer for Joe Wright's The Woman in the Window. What do you think? I think it lives up to Tracy Letts's billing as a stage writer. This was a, he previously wrote Bug and Killer Joe, neither of which are paranoid movies involving death and high stakes circumstances and paranoia. So this is totally new. Not. Uh, this looks fantastic. I'm extremely excited for something like this to be coming out in May. Um, I thought that the cinematography looked interesting throughout i love seeing gary oldman reteam with joe wright they just won that award uh, a couple years ago for darkest hour together um anthony mackie brian tyree henry jennifer jason lee julianne moore with amy adams stunning lineup just a impeccable lineup and i'm thoroughly excited for this thriller how about you i think i am with you on this one uh looks like a compelling mystery to me um I love these three actresses, so um, right off the bat, it has my interest. Um, I'm less familiar with Tracy Letts's uh, screenwriting work. Um, haven't I don't think I've loved a Joe Wright movie before, um, but um, he never seems to drop the ball either. I yeah, guess. he's never um, underwhelming at yeah, some level. Yeah. Um, sometimes I just feel like I want like a little more personality from his filmmaking, but they always seem very kind of solid and, um, sturdily built. Um, so, uh, I will show up for it. No doubt. Have you, have you seen Bug or Killer Joe? Bug was the Michael Shannon one, right? Correct. William Friedkin. Yeah. I did see that way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I, yeah, I guess I've, uh, I have seen one at least. Okay. Of Killer Joe. Also form. good. Killer Joe. I'm not familiar with who, uh, was in that one. Uh, Emile Hirsch and Matthew McConaughey and Juno Temple. Um, boy, was Sam Shepard in there maybe? Mm -hmm. I, I can't It's got a really ridiculous lineup. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's one of my favorite films the year it came out, which was maybe 2011. Can't remember though. Got it. Got to catch up with it. On to something shiny and sleek. Michael Bay's Six Underground. One. out some truly evil people he's stuck on the stairwell guys i got a bad idea don't have bad ideas have good ideas oh was that a bad guy would you like to begin with where you're standing on this film yeah this is um 
this is a great film. This is um, beautiful to look at. Um, extremely well paced. Uh, I've heard complaints that it's over long. I'm not willing to disregard them, but I think that the way that the matter of fact dialogue always leads us to the next point in the film uh, makes up for any length issues that it could have or not have. Just because we're going so fast, uh, we find out that there's another job as they're getting out of the car to perform the job. There is great value to that. There's great value to watching, you know, more than 10 grenades explode, watching giant steel beams impale car engines, um, boats exploding and sinking, crazy car chase scenes, awesome sniper shots, pools exploding. This is just... You're high on it. Yeah, I, I like Pain and Gain. I like The Rock. I like Armageddon. I like this. It's not perfect, but I do think that cinematography makes up for a lot when a screenplay moves this fast. And I think that it, it was beautiful to look at. Yeah, definitely moves fast. I would agree with you on that. There is a whole lot of movie here, a whole lot of filmmaking. Um, some of which I, I did, uh, find pleasure in watching, um, and, and listening to a lot of, a lot of womp womp. We get that that we expected from the trailer. Um, you know, I, I give it a lot of credit just for using like color you don't even normally see in this kind of action filmmaking, right? Like green and pink. Like when I think of action uh, cinema of this kind, I think of the blues and silvers of like a born trilogy. Okay. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's kind of colorful and, and shiny and fun. And that's all kind of a pleasure to look at. Um I cannot say I was remotely invested in anything this movie had to offer narratively. Um, Agreed. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of think, I think I've started to conclude that runtime is kind of arbitrary. Like, it's just going to be a matter of taste per, from person to person, whether you can watch a car chase for five minutes or ten minutes. Everyone's just going to have I know, can watch one for an hour and a preference. half, personally. I think I'd had my fill by... You know, and there were still 30 minutes left to go. Um, the uh, the humor in it was was constantly rubbing me the wrong way. I think there are probably like three camps where some people are going to find this just plain funny. Some people might find it funny how bad the jokes are or you just think the jokes are bad and it's painful. And I think I'm in that last category. Um, are you in one of those three or are those unfair characterizations? Those are fair characterizations, but I, instead of moving vertically, move horizontally in a camp mm. that had all three of those views throughout. Mm. And I'm somewhere in the, it's so painful, the humor that it's funny dad joke-ville of it, where mm. it's just delivering these one-liners again and again and again, and then delivering one at a serious point that actually fits, that is a trope line, which happens somewhere on the boat. I, I don't remember what the line was, but I was like, wait, is that serious this time? And then realizing that it wasn't, um, it's just the ultimate dad joke uh, to me. And I'm big on puns, big on dad jokes. So I enjoyed it. I totally get not enjoying it, but this is a meta film. This is mm. a single film that to me encompasses a word like world cinema, um, or sorry, a definition mm. like world cinema where it's doing 
all the stuff that world cinema does um for me personally which is shooting different demographics um Mm. you know showing truly brutal horrible things truly beautiful um Mm. and like terrifying things like the statues um that are reminiscent of the statues that north korea built for uh communistic nations when they were still allowed to trade those um the the skyscraper the the pool those are all beautiful images and then the the terror is watching the gas go off and then there's that humor in the middle which is when they use laughing gas on the bad guys um to me it just straddles genre and is sort of meta world cinema and uh i fucking like that man that's interesting to me it struck me as a very american movie like to me this is about or maybe not about but it is um illustrative of a kind of like very american um extreme materialism and opulence and that's kind of the fun i i I would say it's a global um capitalistic film before i'd say it's an american one like, like maybe America is a center for capitalism. Um, so is London for banking system. So is Switzerland for banking. Um, I definitely get that it's American because it's Michael Bay and Ryan Reynolds is a main character. But the the subtext of each of those characters, um, I think, is a is a little bit more interesting as a holistic film and and all of its aperture. Like maybe it is deeply American, but I also think that it's more reflective of world economic cinema at some level mm, yeah um fortunate to you know know that we'll we'll not we won't really know right how this travels um from country to country um but yeah i, I think i i think i see what you're getting at um uh yeah and i think the the mileage you get is maybe just based on the extent to which you you feel like it's in on the joke versus taking mm-hmm. itself seriously and i don't think it re- i don't think it really has the conviction to um poke fun at at itself um i think it does that in very light ways so with ye- these meta jokes that are just are just you know they're just so lame that like i i can't get on board with this so bad it's it's good kind of thing except that the the maximalism of the filmmaking is kind of there's this kind of comic absurdity to it almost that is thrilling at the same time but the humor itself and the characterization right is just not there for me so we need to watch pain again i i hear that uh is an interesting one in his filmography mm-hmm. uh you want to say more about that in what way that that relates to this i i think in pain and gain we see uh what i think we see in this which is a criticism of america um, I know he wasn't involved in the screenplay, but he's still the director putting it to film. And I think that the way that he lets um, our sniper character breathe and be um, so uh, what, what I would term as as critical as Michael Bay is going to overtly get of mm. our country, I, mm. I think shows that there I think Michael Bay has more depth than anyone wants to give him. Um, mm. And I, I think that it's interesting how because he creates such beautiful images and is considered a box office darling and a maker of films that I've personally not enjoyed as well. You know, some of the Transformers entries, some of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle entries I didn't care for. I think he's had some other movies I didn't care for, but I, I do think he's um, I, I do think he's an artist and I don't think he's engaged as one whose films actually say something cohesive. And I think that they do. And I think that Pain and Gain shows 
part of the criticism. It's based in uh, Florida. Um, it criticizes steroids and, and macho culture and that stuff. And I think that he goes on to criticize um, some stuff in this film from, you know, uh, murdering citizens wrongfully to um, a country letting its citizens get killed um, and gaps in integrity. And I, I do find that interesting. I also didn't care for Ryan Reynolds in this movie. Well, so, yeah. you know, there's I, I go both ways, but I. I think that Michael Bay is an artist and not engaged as such. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in the like opening car chase, I think, where um, a civilian gets hit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's uh, James Franco's younger brother? Dave? Dave. Dave Franco. He's the driver, right? I think mm-hmm. he takes somebody out. So yep. um, to you, it's it's commentary on like um, action filmmaking and, and and how action filmmaking treats like the kind of loss of citizen life or you think that's actually commentary about like um c- citizen casualties to like american warfare or something like that i w- i would answer as yes mm. i i think that he's aware of both but the goal is neither the goal is to make something beautiful and in the genre of this film there's supposed to be dead bodies. It's supposed to be fun. But mm-hmm. I think he's also adding a question mark to some of the kill count. And I think that the fact that you have a, a duality question is what I think makes this interesting and why I think that he's more of an artist than um, anyone wants to really talk about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just get the sense that we wouldn't even be having the question about whether or not he has something to say if it weren't just for the maximalist aesthetics. Like, it's just because it is so over the top that we think, oh, maybe he's on to something rather than, like, what the the structure of the narrative and the characterization has to do with any of these points. Like, I, I don't know. I just struggle to... I, I, think it's str- I think it's tough for me to suggest... Or think of that as indicative of his worldview versus just for comic effect. Like I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's hard to argue one way or the other. Um, I I and I, that's why I don't feel comfortable arguing one way or the other <laughs> on that. But I I do think that that he has feelings about that, and I I don't know that the film's going to say exactly what they are. But I I think that the way that a, a Tracy lets. Uh, screenwriter a way that a uh, Greta Gerwig screenwriter uh, the, the way that their feelings live in in the the very text of the film itself mm-hmm. is not how Bay would uh, express such emotions he would express it visually because he's a he's a visual artist not a a writer and um I think that he's had some interesting stuff to say uh, on a whole like I think there are patterns between you know like the first Transformers pain and gain this armageddon the rock um i i I think there's something that exists there about the artist um that that i personally find intriguing um i get why other people don't and why it seems surface level but there's a reason why he keeps selling well as well and that's because he makes beautiful images and i think that that maybe his imagery um could be um dynamic in the point where he could be saying three things at once the way that a painting can and just because Mm -hmm. it's a movie doesn't mean that many images in it can't do that like when the grenade launcher breaks the man's nose in slow motion before the grenade goes off exploding the car yeah um yeah i mean i think 
what we've talked about so far is what we think he thinks um, he has pulled off with this. Maybe I should just rephrase and say that in no way did this movie make me reconsider action filmmaking or anything about American vigilantism, if that's the word. Oh, um, because I, I think it's that. very self. Like I don't know that the the meta elements really help to um, comment on any of that. I think that just leads to it being more kind of self absorbed and self contained in a way that doesn't really help me related to anything in the in the real world to to an extent except for except for the materialistic aspect of it well i I think that the materialist stuff is where he spends most of his that's his thing yeah yeah um i i would just disagree at some level and say that i i do think he i do think he's making some sort of a comment about human entertainment um, and what we find enjoyable and what the subtext of the joy comes from, mm. which is dead bodies. Mm. And I, I don't think that he's even saying it's bad. I think he's just saying there's something here. Mm. Uh, perhaps um, I can't say the the ideas came across my mind when. I was watching it. Um, and I, I think the maximalism can kind of get away, can kind of get um, in the way of that for me. Um, uh, yeah, because, you know, the the characters are obviously in no way reflecting on it, really, um, which is tough. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I don't disagree that I think it's an enjoyable um, movie to watch just because it's of It's fun the, to look at, right? the kind of sheer audacity of it, the um, kind of go for broke style. I mean, that, that has its pleasures. Um, I, I think it's also wildly tacky at times in a way that a lot of action cinema is not, um, which, which doesn't seem like a commentary of filmmaking at large. Like it seems like he is carving out his own style rather than referencing other kinds to really comment on it. Like the, you know, splatter inner titles that have a number one or number two on it. Like that doesn't really feel referential to me. That feels distinctive to this movie. I would um, agree. Um, and the, the color scheme seems very distinctive to this movie. Um, if it did feel more like, um, action cinema as we know it, it might feel a bit more, um, like a commentary on it, but it feels like it's like it's really doing its own thing. I I think I'd give you ground there, but then I I would say that he, in many ways, invented the modern action cinema. So mm. it's up to him to redefine it as he criticizes mm. it if he wants to. Um, mm. And I I also don't think that it's just overt criticism. I just think that he's saying that there's some dead bodies here, and you know. I noticed them too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so death was like a theme for you in this. That's interesting. For sure. I mean, the think about how totally against action cinema Dave Franco's death is. Mm. Totally underwhelming. A small trickle of blood. He's dead. We have a conversation. You know, there's that stupid Fast and the Furious talk about family. 
then we're going again. It It's interesting. That, that's all I can say. I, I think that this film is interesting and I think that he's interesting. If you don't think that, I can't force you to. I think that his visual language, though, um, leaves some stuff there that, you know, maybe didn't work for you. I get it. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about, like, the group itself. I mean, which to me, I still don't know that I have a great sense of. I mean, there's this talk of um, them finding freedom in death and how that leaves them with no consequences to their actions. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet they choose, you know, to do benevolent things with that freedom. Um, And then there's the day of the dead as subtext. I I think there's something with death. I don't know if it's, Um, you know... The screenwriters had one thing to say, and then Michael Bay had another thing he wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I very much just kind of struggled to find either something meta about the premise or some kind of interesting understanding for... Really? You didn't why. find anything meta about it? Well, no, no, no. no. It's, it is meta, but, um, you know, the, the, the kind of motivation for them choosing to do good with this, I think, is, you know kind of non-existent um yeah yeah i I, you know it's yeah i don't know uh i enjoy it mostly for the surfaces um and struggle to give it that much credit beyond that um but i i I get it it. i i (laughs) i think that they're i think that when you say like the sentence you just said, like there's something great on the surface and there's not much underneath that. Like, yeah, I think there's characters in this movie that are villains that do the same thing that are all about the surface and not about that under stuff like the villain. Mm. Um, So to me, there's even in criticism, I can see corollaries where I think that, you know, at being charitable, I think Michael Bay um deserves at least enough respect to for us to say maybe he knows what he's doing considering how good this movie looks yeah, and yeah. how incredible oh, sure. the action cinematography is but yeah for i think just in different ways for sure yeah but i i mean when when you see what he put together and how masterful it, it really is action choreography wise I, he must have had some idea of what he was doing thematically yes i mean that, to me that just sounds like you're giving him the benefit of the doubt because it looks good i don't like uh i don't know i don't know put me in that camp benefit <laughs> of the doubt it looks great not good it does it is shiny um uh yeah i don't know where to go from here well we'll we'll do a michael bay <laughs> retrospective ne- next year and uh maybe get maybe you on board. it's pain and gain and because that one seems particularly self-aware um whereas i've never seen pain and gain i haven't even watched a michael bay movie since i think the first transformers and armageddon for the armageddon show. seems exorbitantly patriotic mm-hmm. and um american proud yeah um in a way that like i you know i don't have any reason to to to, to believe he has suddenly become um very um self-conscious and Oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't even uh, go that far. I wouldn't say he's very self-conscious. I just, I think that he's a guy that might have some own, some of his own philosophical wonderings and he's really good at making beautiful images. And I think that mm. 
I, I feel like I'd be foolish to think that he's not putting any thought into these images. Well, sure, but, like, I think the bar should be higher for directors than to just think, you know, I think he might have thought something about this. Like, that seems kind of like a low bar. But that's kind of where we're at with Michael Bay, because he is kind of unanimously, like, shadow. I would agree, but, like, that's why I think it's, an like, a fine movie. It's an okay movie, but not a great movie. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm not going to give it, like, a five. I'm probably (laughs) not even going to give it a four, but I think that it's, I, I do think it's visually great. Yeah, and fantastic sure. world cinema. And yeah. like when I think of the word world cinema, this is an English entry in that genre that I think is a sterling example of it. Yeah. I had more fun rewatching some clips from it this morning just to kind of refresh my memory than I did in the actual sit, just because that's just kind of an adrenaline shot versus it, you know, eventually grew taxing for me in the, in the real watch. So mm-hmm. I would happily just like turn it back on at some point and watch billy do some parkour right just for the heck of it i guess what's your favorite scene uh that actually was um kind of amusing particularly because of the song it's you know it's after the skyscraper i think the pool has already been taken out at that Uh point billy's on the run doing his parkour and there's that you know edm song going where every couple beats it goes and run Mm-hmm. it's you know over the top it's absurd as he's jumping on the skyscraper from beam to beam yeah yeah that's one of mine that was entertaining uh any others i i really like the scenes in which uh melanie laurent is just performing um there's kind of a classic hollywood vibe mixed with 007 to some of those scenes where she's on the boat just interacting with people um, moving through slyly. And you're like, it's such a tone change, but it's so well managed um, through the editing process that I, I just really enjoyed um, the scenes where we were just kind of lurking around the boat, trying to go find, um, you know, a handle to press down on. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that is six underground for Michael Bay streaming now on Netflix. In beautiful 4K. ¿Qué pasa cosa más grave que eso? Está pasando algo mucho más grave. What are we discussing next? Monos. Or monos. I don't know the correct pronunciation. Monos. Available now on uh, Video On Demand, iTunes, Amazon, all the usual sources, directed by Alejandro Landes. This is put out by Neon. Um, I had hoped to see this in the theater some months back in the year. I remember seeing trailers for this at our local AMC, and then it I do too. Uh, went away and just recently surfaced on VOD. Um so it made its way into uh, our com- into our conversation once again. And um, I think uh, there's some uh, incredible filmmaking on display here. But overall, I am rather cool on Monos. What about you? I'd say slightly cooler than you. Um, just a little bit. I think you give it a three. I'm probably two and a half on it. But that opening scene, um, landscape shot, darkness, silhouettes moving across the landscape, uh, lighting behind was truly stunning. And I was like, oh, this is going to be beautiful. Awesome. And then it got 
boring. I, I think there might be something to chew on here um, based on the name. I don't know if the name was chosen with world cinema in mind or if it was just Spanish-centric. Uh, monos means monkeys um, in Spanish. Um, and then, you know, in Greek and Latin, mono means one. Uh, mono nowadays in, in English has more of a, you know, audio engineering background to it, um, which is like a one voice thing. So I, I do think that the if all that subtext is implied, there's an interesting amount to chew on and correlate between the film because there is actually a great subtext to all those things in this film. One voice, unitarism, um, mm. you know, the the way that they are making calls into their hands and behaving kind of mm. um, gutturally at some level in this film. Yeah. Um, all interesting points. Um, I struggled by large with just how vague it felt to me. Um, which I think is kind of Doctora. Yeah, kind of deliberate, um, but I I definitely describe it as vague rather than ambiguous or mysterious. Um uh we're following this group of child soldiers on a um mountaintop in a in kind of a country, an um unspecified country. Um what exactly the, the conflict is in this region is is unspecified. Um just the combination of um, not knowing exactly where we are, what exactly the conflict is, it just seemed to strip so much of what we're seeing of any kind of stakes or even material that I found engaging, even though the the filmmaking kind of kept me afloat. I was always kind of impressed by what I was seeing. Um, to me, there's kind of this weird tension between um, how it's trying to get specific in introducing us to these characters by like giving them kind of these quirky names right rambo and smurf boom boom lady yeah uh which led me to think we were going to maybe kind of get involved with this group in a in a more meaningful way um that i just kind of found frustrating because i feel like i that just did not happen Mm -hmm. um and same with julianne nicholson um she she is such a um kind of prominent figure right in this group um, that I think she almost just kind of um, falls into the background here, which is a weird thing to say. She is kind of a lead for part of it, but... Um, and the family that gets killed. Yeah. Uh, this movie just doesn't work. I just did not, yeah, I didn't find a whole lot to uh, engage with, except for um, just what I was laying my eyes on. Like, I think I think the, the setting itself is... is incredible i think it's uh, there's gorgeous imagery and the score is great um mika levy i think Mm -hmm. um under jackie under the skin yeah um which is just like really disappointing that like i couldn't attach any uh anything meaningful well i think that like the score independently is good i honestly don't think that like i think the film just doesn't work and so the score on it is just like putting something pretty on something ugly mm. so it even didn't work for me yeah personally. i think it maybe got a little wrapped up in its own imagery at times especially towards the end when these kids kind of start um killing their, their own elders yeah <laughs> um and they they sort of take it take it up a notch in, in their militarism and um i just only became less engaged in the significance of any of it um, and like when when they get her on the bridge after she's escaped and she doesn't jump into the water to get away, 
I was like, I don't understand. Like, if she really wants to get away, then she would have jumped in the water. I have no idea what the stakes are because the movie is so vague. That for sure she was going to jump over. I was like, what? But She's then not jumping over? Right, when she doesn't and she, like, grabs onto the... Th- that could have had something deep to communicate, but there's no subtext. There's mm-hmm. not even context. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree. Um, and as much as I did like a lot of the imagery, I think a lot of it was um, uh, superfluous. Of, yeah, I was just going to say pointless. I, I could think of, you know, scenes where the kind of figure of authority shows up uh-huh. the short guy who is absolutely Dude, he yoked was ripped he is absolutely yoked and the camera kind of like ogles him at times uh-huh. not you know kind of well, i thought it was hold... interesting the way that it did it yeah i i I've, i struggled to attach any meaning to it um it, it it definitely stood out to me um but uh i think like as a single piece separate from the film it was like because he was ripped and the way that the just camera an interesting character yeah. maybe i was like whoa this is yeah. cool Especially because he's only showing up every now and then. I'm like, I kind of hope you want, like, I kind of want this guy to stick around. And do or something, I'd but... rather go with him. Can we follow him, please? True. I want to leave. Go back to, like, whoever's in charge here. Let the kids keep doing their thing. Yeah. Um, I think it wants to be, like, a fable and a folktale because it's, like, on the mountain and there's a cow and a pig and there's a kidnapped person and there's kids. But it doesn't have anything fable-like to say. It It doesn't have anything original to say. Um, and it's just a a surface level spectacle of a deep, luscious jungle, but I, there's nothing in the jungle of substance. Yeah, which I maybe is the point, you know, of the the monkey's title. Um, mm. I don't, I don't know. That's the most charitable I can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh hard to add that much more when i just didn't get that much from it um i enjoyed looking at it i think it's a great looking movie yeah what's your favorite scene then uh i like most of the footage on the mountaintop in the first half versus when we get into the jungle um just i don't know some of the imagery of you know that those cloud formations and the light um like Oh, especially even at night, like when um, they're under siege, that was maybe one of the more visually kind of stunning sequences for me. Um, so that was maybe a highlight. Uh, what about you? Um, it's hard for me to pick. I'll just do two briefly. Um, there's a scene in which we discovered that Smurf has been tied up um, and the fibers that he's tied up with seem like tree roots and vines. Uh, and I thought that that was just really rich contextually um as a single image um of like the young being absorbed back into the forest um and then when julianne nicholson strangles uh a girl that i forget the name of uh when she goes in the water to take a bath while she's swimming in there um just the the um the two different tones managed with her being imprisoned and swimming backstroke uh and, and seeing relaxed in such dark circumstances and us kind of feeling relieved with her that she has this moment uh, cutting into this brutal destruction of this young girl who deserved to die because she was imprisoning Julianne Nicholson, but it was still a brutal scene. 
Definitely. Yeah. A, a lot of the camera work coming in and out of the water. There's a lot of it. I did, I did, did think was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else to say. Unfortunately, I thought this would be a lot richer. Me too. Moving on to Richard Jewell. You're a suspect. You don't talk. I talk. Say it. I don't talk. This might be the only way to clear your name. I want you to say there's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Stop trying to be their best friend. I was raised to respect authority. Authorities are looking to eat you alive. There's a bomb in Centennial Park. We have 30 minutes. I'm sorry, what? His accusers are two of the most powerful forces in the world. The United States government and the media. I do want to help y'all on law enforcement, too. There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Richard Jewell, the latest from director Clint Eastwood. Uh, we had another Clint Eastwood just another Clint Eastwood movie just last year in The Mule. Mm-hmm. I'm quite a bit higher on this versus The Mule, um, and I really liked it overall. What about you? Where are we starting? I liked The Mule, so I'm not way higher on this. I'm way higher on this than I was on the 1517 to Paris. Uh, if I'm gonna repeat you i i really like this movie um i enjoy almost all the performances i have some ambiguous feelings about olivia wilde's performance Mm. um not that she wasn't good but that maybe the character is what i have questions about um for sure it's a little Mm. bit of a perhaps unfair characterization i think that is a fair sentence Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, spending my time with uh, Kathy Bates and Sam Rockwell and our lead, whose name is? Paul Walter Hauser. Thank you. Who I did think was phenomenal. I mean, I think uh, I have the exact same feelings as you about the Olivia Wilde character. Um, I, I'm not familiar at all, or I was not familiar at all with, like, this true story. Neither I was I. anything about the actual Kathy Scruggs. I, I think you also um, didn't know which way it went, right? Uh, like where the story goes? Yeah. Yeah, not really. Yeah. yeah at okay. all, actually. Yeah, I, I had no idea if he actually did it or not when I went into the oh, theater. I take that back. I did um, have, I did suspect he did not do it, but whether or not like he was going to be punished and then maybe later found innocent, that I actually did not know. Okay. But I, 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 was pretty confident he didn't do it. You thought he might have done it, huh? I mean, it's a Clint Eastwood movie, so I didn't think he did it. But I thought that if he did do it, that would be very fascinating. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I just didn't know anything about it at all. I, I mean, God, what would he have been? Four or five when this happened, right? Yeah. It's yeah. 95? Mm-hmm. 95, 96? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with Olivia Wilde, um, it just seems like it might have stooped very low in how it goes about sort of villainizing her. Yes. Um, to say the least. But I, um, I did like how it villainized John Hamm. Right? I will and, say. And I, I, yeah, I think it really goes for the kneecaps in her in some pretty uncomfortable ways. But um, the, the, other, the interesting thing is that, like, she's presented as this vindictive, vicious character. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to do the right thing um, mm-hmm. for almost the last third of the film. Um mm-hmm. So I might, 
I might just have my balances out of whack. I, I definitely think that the beginning presents an, uh, what is perhaps an unfair characterization of a real person. But I think that the end, um, you know, storytelling-wise, uh, does salvage the character into redeeming qualities. Yeah. I would ag- agree. Um, that was maybe one issue I had was that, like, her pivot towards maybe trying to do the right thing seemed a little quick. I don't know that I, I totally bought just how quick that transformation had. It was it felt a little abrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but well, yeah, Sam Rockwell walked into the office, right? And then everything yeah. switched. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, far and away, this works for me just because of the character of Richard Jewell, primarily, and the performance uh, from Paul Walter Hauser. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right off the bat, I like how slightly uncomfortable it made me about him, right? He's told, um, oh, what's the lawyer's actor? Um, Rockwell, Sam Rockwell. He's Mm -hmm. told Sam Rockwell's character that he's gone through his trash. Mm -hmm. Uh, This immediate tip off that that seems like he's crossed a boundary, which is exactly what Sam Rockwell says. And yet this guy is totally disarming. There is this naivete and innocence. I feel like innocence is like relevant in both senses of the word Mm -hmm. throughout most of this movie. Um, and this kind of, um, the, just this deep faith in the institutions he wants to be a part of that you just cannot help, or I could not help, um, but, um, empathize with. Yeah. Um, and, that's and really, you, yeah. if you're like me, you wanted Radar to be on those because they're ours and I'd, I'd feel better with Radar on them. You know, maybe he wrongfully- Wait, say that again? With what? Radar. That's his nickname. Oh, got it, got it, got it. But I, I'd be, as a viewer, I was like, I want these guys, I want this guy as part of my institutions. Like, maybe he yeah, pulls yeah. over teenagers and gives them a hard time for drinking, but, you know, someone should. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's like uh, when when people kind of give the phony flaw about themselves where they say something like, I care too much mm-hmm. or I try too hard. That is literally his flaw. Like he yeah. does cross a line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think like it's essential that the movie is funny about it. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Like this very much could have been just a downer about how the institutions are just. Um, but it also doesn't go too far that way either. It doesn't make it yeah. too funny. It's not a farce by yeah. any means. It, it straddles uh, that line really carefully. That yeah. is a, a tightrope walk that Clint does with with Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the entirety of the way he cannot help but want to accommodate um, the people who are out to get him. Uh, but he's also not dumb. Um, these instances where we do see his intelligence like when he doesn't want to sign this document because he knows mm-hmm. something is fishy i think is also really important though it's this balance of um of intelligence with that kind of naivete yeah but um, there's a canniness there too to where like i mean there's a scene where we find out that he he's aware of other officers making fun of him when he says that he gets it he's law enforcement too mm-hmm and that just took me personally off guard. I had no idea he was so um, self-aware or, or, you know, guile. Yeah. Guile-filled. What's the opposite of guileless? Yeah. <laughs> Filled with <Sounds> guile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And 
uh, yeah, like it, it seems weird. I was not expecting to consider a Clint Eastwood movie inspiring, but I think he is kind of an inspiring figure for me, mm-hmm. um, especially like just in in twenty nineteen in twenty nineteen when it seems like there is such cynicism and bitterness about uh, institutions, mm-hmm. um, like law enforcement and just government in general. To see somebody um, who is so um, continuously manipulated by these same institutions, and he still wants to be a part of it and to try to bring the moral, uh, the morality he thinks it needs, uh, is just awesome. I love it. But but it's the, he brings morality to the top from the bottom, right? If it's a ladder, he, you know, he changes the top rung and then... At the end of the film, he is, you know, a, a fourth rung on the ladder. He's he's in there working. Um, and he kind of changed the allowances at, at some level, it seems, in this film of, of what the FBI can get away with, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, carries on our, our dark waters love mm-hmm. um, in many ways. I, I, I really enjoy this film thematically. Um, yeah, I. I think that filmmaking wise, it's um, it's a little uneven for me. There's scenes that I didn't mm-hmm. or there's some cinematography I didn't care for. I won't say scenes because I think that I enjoyed almost every single moment of performance in every single scene. Um, so that's an unfair characterization, characterization, but I don't think that it was visually um, perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But some scenes did look really, really good. Um, notably for me is the flashback while in dream where he places himself on the bomb to save the few people who get hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, and the emotional transference that Eastwood is able to convey through that, like how deeply affected Richard is, but that anyone was hurt on his watch is what makes him such a rich character and what allows his performance to breathe deeper because he's being, he's being leveled up by the director um, in those really careful, meticulous ways that are, you know, subtext, context, and background. Yeah, I would completely agree. There's nothing I can point to in terms of what he does with the camera or the mise-en-scene that, that I was really taken with. Um, it was just kind of satisfactory in mm-hmm. those terms. Never Some office it. framing was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of those those drab office spaces yeah. and his kind the of The framing of the interrogation scene, house. I liked yeah. Yeah, um, you know the actually one... the stairs. I thought the stairs were shot really, really interestingly while the house was being rifled through. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. It, it gave me kind of a Sean Baker vibe, where you know it's just like they ju- they're just sitting on these plain cement steps, and it's visually appealing to look at mm. um, at some level, and more than anything, it's interesting to look at, which is really mm. weird to say. I I don't know why that's true. It just for me, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, the one kind of flourish that stood out was when Sam Rockwell's character is doing the timing of the walk from the park to the phone booth. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, well, that's a cool edit. cutting to the yeah. Olympic race. And those are kind of exchanging stakes with each other, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun. Um, that stood out just because there was basically none of that kind of thing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's pretty straightforward in, 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 in the direction, um, but yeah, I think the performance just carried me all the way and the character is just um fascinating to me. Um that that someone's um 
belief can can be so deep um, that they will go through something so miserable and still want to be a part of this institution that anybody else would want nothing to do with anymore. Yeah. Um, I think is, is yeah, um, great. I love it. Quiet heroism. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, he, he just refuses to become cynical. Um, and he was and, attempting to live a hidden life. Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we haven't told everybody where we're going this episode title-wise. Hint, hint. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's just a, a, a great performance. I think he's super fun to watch and super funny. Uh, I was I was laughing quite a bit. I was too. I, well, not like laugh laughing, but like chuckling. Mm-hmm. Um, I random question mm. in the bar scenes between Olivia Wilde and John Hamm. Mm. I didn't know what it was until very recently that it reminded me of. But the way mm. that they're shot and framed and set up actually reminds me of Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy bar scenes. Did you get any of that? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember the bar scene. I'm kind of trying to remember the 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 style there where the camera was. Yeah, the bartender wasn't too important. Always, you know, um, out of the two thirds, they're in focus. Mm. Um, as far as two thirds rules go, TV's kind of always on, and you know, at that same bar TV height, and then it's you know these two people sitting at the bar, um. With, with their backs to us having a conversation it just really reminded me of the king of comedy um bar stuff i yeah yeah little yeah, nugget thing yeah um yeah in terms of the performance itself that olivia wilde gives i mean it's just it's just very unambiguous mm-hmm. kind of how terrible she is like i i guess it's okay the performance i don't know that i have problems with that it's just it's just the thought that um it it, it went after um the character of, of kathy scruggs in the way that it does that it's just leaves you with a rhythm well i mean a, a really when you look at the published mouth. articles it those also that she had that also leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth yeah um i think there is something it's maybe uneven that just because she's a woman, I'm saying this, you know, because mm. at some level she's doing the same shit that I applaud Jake Gyllenhaal for in Nightcrawler, um, mm. so, which is something I thought in the film. I was like, it's weird that I'm like kind of uncomfortable with her role here, whereas like I'm cheering for it in Nightcrawler, even though it's mm. fundamentally terrible. There's a lot about Nightcrawler that's just beautiful to look at at some level that I'm cheering for and Jake Gyllenhaal's incredible performance but it's also a weird balance where i'm like huh why (laughs) well yeah i mean you're right i mean i can enjoy watching unlikable characters here it's just the fact that this lady existed yeah since passed away it's debated whether any of this is accurate so just the the idea that you know well i thought that all the articles in the film are articles that were written by her I have not read up enough. Okay. I just kind of know the controversy surrounding her characterization mm. and the idea that some of this is, is pretty unsubstantiated, that she was sleeping with people for information. Oh, um, and that I think, part. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that, to that explicitly. Okay. I, I thought you were just talking about her behavior of like, you know, indicting someone on charges or saying that there's charges being brought against someone without that being true. 
Oh yeah, I was thinking more explicitly about the suggestion that of she exchange is of sexual favor yeah. for information. Yeah, and the well, idea I mean, that, like, that's, that's just... true in almost any industry. So I, I'm not saying it's true of her. I'm just saying, as a filmmaker, I see why you would want to use whatever characters you have to exploit that perennial truth of institutions um, exchanging information through sexual favor. Yeah, but this is a specific woman who is now, yeah, no, who is now no, that, dead. That, and, that's why I'm saying, like, yeah. that's a problem. But I get the storytelling angle of, like, if yeah. if it is false, and this is just how they expressed that, and that it was, like, a deeper writer thing that they wanted to communicate, like, I, I get how they could have arrived at the wrong place. Yeah, that sounds terrible to say, well, we're just going to use this dead woman to make a bigger point. Like, you, don't, you can't use people like that. That sounds awful. Um I mean, you can, because they could have, but I, I, I take your point, I, and I think I mostly agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, w- I, was, I was troubled by that at the same time that I was just mo- so kind of absorbed in, in Duel as a character, that he is kind of the anchor um, that, that kept me. And his anchor is Kathy Bates, and she is delightful. I like Kathy Bates. Um, Her uh, monologue? Truly, podium. truly impressive. There's no favors given to her by the camera. It looks good. It doesn't look great. It's not shot to make it easier for her to perform. She's just putting on all the Kathy Bates work, and it is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've been on the record before as saying that I'm kind of mixed on Sam Rockwell, but I thought he was great here. Um, you are on the record as that. I yeah, forgot I'm, about I'm that. I'm just kind of hit and miss with him. Here, I thought he was great. Um, I think, you know, just, just to kind of uh, vicariously feel, you know, uh, his frustration mm-hmm. with Tool, I think, is is really kind of funny. Yeah, he was definitely the narrator for the audience. Yeah. Um, you do want Jewel to stand up for himself, and at the same time, that's what you don't want him makes to him do. Because so then he'd open his mouth. That's <laughs> what makes him so endearing is that you know he he is so amicable. Um, Let me help you with that as you take <laughs> things out of my house. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm on board with Richard Jewel. Favorite scene. Um. I definitely was maybe getting most of my laughs when they are roughing or uh, going through his house and, and he's um, helping him through the process. I think that's where it's most like deliberately funny. Um, and yeah, I got a kick out of that. What about you? I don't know. I also like his monologue at the end um, that um, isn't over the top. It's very sincere. It's um, just very genuine. It, that worked for me. What about you? Speaking of that sincerity, it's an unassuming shot of him early on in the arcade as Sam Rockwell walks in. And he's just playing an arcade game with a gun, shooting stuff. And we get to be with Sam Rockwell kind of observing him, um, taking this video game very seriously and dominating it, but also having fun. Um, Which I think kind of speaks to his sensibility of the law enforcement job of that at some level he finds it to be fun um, because he finds it to be so morally useful or ethically bountiful um, that that's just one of those weird little uncanny shots that kind of tells me what the whole film is. Yeah. That's Richard Jewell from Clint Eastwood. 
Remember the day when we first met? I remember that motorcycle, my best dress. You looked at me and I knew how simple life was then. <laughs> To Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. What do you think of this title, Michael? We saw this less than 24 hours ago at Sif's Egyptian Theater. I really liked this movie. What about you? I also really liked this movie. I would not say that I loved this movie emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably haven't had enough years to process it yet, though. I can tell you I'm leaning a five. Whoa, okay. But that's more um, prestigious filmmaking than it is the same five that I gave Waves or Climax, where I'm emotionally taken to this place of ecstasy and uh, foreboding and I'm feeling such deep things. This is very much a film um, like the film that Sorsese made called Silence. Um However, I think that it has a little bit more to say about stewardship of the planet, stewardship of um, community, and the value of um, individual relationships with those that are closest to us or that we let be closest to us. Yeah. Um, It is so funny. You started out our conversation of Six Underground with the comment, if a tree falls in the woods doesn't make a sound uh-huh right because that seemed highly applicable to this movie uh-huh. for me. well michael bay is highly <laughs> applicable to terrence malick if you ask me of course i cannot believe we have come full circle full circle here um notice but, how uh, six underground is beautiful <laughs> notice how a hidden life is also beautiful <laughs> in very different ways uh but yeah i mean to me this seems like kind of one of his more like explicitly philosophical like just the question being um what good is resistance to evil if no one sees it no one hears it mm-hmm. um and it's this guy kind of being um tortured by that question or at least um uh considering that question i, I think um, i would push past f- philosophical and i, I would say that malik's overt christianity is very loud here yeah um there's a lot of religiosity in the film for sure um which for me personally i think i have had to kind of look for like other ways to get into malik's filmography aside from his interest in christianity because because i'm um not religious in the same way um like obviously that i think there is you know a very similar component in uh the tree of life mm-hmm. um but for me, that's for me, that's more about transcendence and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, this is more about um, transcendence in resistance to hate. Um, Notice how you can't describe a Terrence Malick film without using the word transcendent. It's very difficult, although I wouldn't use it to describe the last his last two movies. So I would I would I know we're going to overtly go to- disagree with you there, <laughs> uh, especially if we're talking about two movies. Um if you mean the documentary, I might I say that it's not transcendental. Um, I don't know. I, I need to rewatch it 
um, with both versions of narration to bear in on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was formally unsurprising. I think this is very much in keeping with the style of his last, like, three to five movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a part of me that it is that is ready for him to kind of reinvent his approach, and that would be thrilling to me. At the same time, I think if he keeps doing this exact same kind of camera work, I'll probably continue to like it because it is pretty great. Um, I've got a pitch for you. What you got? Terrence Malick, director. Steven Soderbergh, cinematographer. I I don't think cinema can handle that combination. The screen will just explode. <laughs> so will I. <laughs> um, Ten out of three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, there were little things that felt kind of different to me here where that like the camera does occasionally just stop where I don't remember it like it ever feeling like it stopped in Tree of Life, for example, um, just to take in more. Well, of like, that was a shot a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to me, um, I haven't seen To the Wonder, but Tree of Life, New World, Song to Song, Night of Cups, they all have this, you know, um, you know, the, the Lubetsky fluid camera work yeah. um, that, you know, kind of has that fisheye look at times um, that, um, you know, I think some people have come to feel like it, it's it's his shtick and he's and he stopped kind of inventing that. I still like it. I, I would be ready for him to do something different, but I can't help it. I still really like it. The stories he's telling are so different. Um, if that's how he's comfortable telling a story and they're all this different and rich... As much as I want to see him be an experimental filmmaker and go and try to make three films in a year the way that Werner Herzog does, I also don't. You know? I, I want him to be the, the stoic filmmaker that has not compromised his integrity for 40 years that's been making master-level works his entire career and is the director that every director goes to when they say, this is my favorite director. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love him. Yeah. Um. So, does it feel? It doesn't feel overly familiar in any way. The um, aesthetic approach. No, almost all of it feels familiar. However, the way that it's all to brought together is what seems unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does feel like silence, mm. but it also feels like mother. Um, there's so many layers to the metaphor in this film. Um, just looking at hands ripping weeds and, and carefully, um, placing a worm outside of where they're digging, um, and planting those potatoes and letting the worm slowly ease back into the, to the soil. Um, it's extremely metaphorically rich, um. And is only best described by one single word, which is transcendental. Yeah. Both uh, religiously and and transcendental film. You know, they're separate definitions. Um, Transcendental Christianity is also its own thing, but I think that he's all of them. Um, Besides, uh, gosh, Lynch's meditation. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, Yeah, I I thought it was... uh gorgeous to say the least and um i think the the settings just kind of heavenly um mm-hmm. the good word yeah uh 
to me, I'm almost kind of grouping Malick at this point between his period films and his modern stories. And I think I'm gravitating more towards his period pieces and just kind of how even with that digital look, they still feel very tactile in, uh, you know, all the examples you listed feel very um, tactile. And, um, you know, I was just not expecting this movie to be as romantic as it was um, going into it, knowing that it's about a conscientious objector well it's um, it's actually based on a book that is the collected love letters that they exchanged yeah um and those letters um we hear those in voiceover mm-hmm. um were usually after a certain point watching him in um imprisoned and yet you know these these there's always kind of this warmth to the, the to the letters he even says like warm greetings from your husband mm-hmm. from jail um it's it's kind of um, uh, fascinating how s- strong the love feels through that narration, which usually doesn't work for me. Um, I thought the 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 letter writing was really effective, and then when they are together, um, it just feels so kind of like compulsive their attraction to each other. Mm-hmm. I was really I was really taken with that. Um, I think they're the both of the performances are um, really great. This is the first film in over a decade from him where I've felt like there's, like it's not done. Um, I really enjoyed what I saw. I'm giving what is close to a perfect rating. It's probably more of a 97 than a perfect 100 for me. Um, but I, I don't feel like that's his final edit on this piece. Now maybe he'll die before he gets to that, but I... I think that he might have more to say, especially after he finishes that um, the film that he's making with Matthias Schoenertz, who shows up in this film, mm-hmm. The Last Planet, which is a film about Jesus. Um, I, the, the edits are deeply impactful and, and moving of historical footage into this footage. However, I think there's a version that Malik would make without the historic edits that show us the footage of um, the, the original footage of the, the rise of the third Reich and the behavior of the third Reich, um, whether it's the trans or um, the human kinder or just the Nazi party um, having parties and palisades and those types of things that we see. I think that he might have an edit of the film that robs it of that context and focuses more on the relationship in spite of, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know what to make of the single image we see of the people in the village dancing wearing the anti-Semitic masks. Mm. Um, you know, that's the oh, yeah. that's the only time that that really pops up visually, um, other than the two moments where we see um, a Jew living in the woods. Um, I I just I feel like there's m- there, I know there's more footage for him to pull from, and I, I feel like the story's not done being told. Um, there is a, I heard that the longest take they took was 43 minutes. Mm. That tells me there's an immense amount of footage, and if the New World wasn't done after the first theatrical release, I, I personally feel like this is one of the same, where it's just not done yet. So did you say you think you would prefer edit without that um, 
documentary footage? I think I would. And I want like, both oh, versions. That was like my, my favorite touches. That, that would like that is felt for, different. For me too. That's that's why I'm still chewing on it. That's why it's still here. But I feel like the other version without that can do something different. And I feel mm. like this film can also do something different. And I want both. I'm saying mm. I'm greedy and I want both. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was like a distinctive feature. If you take that out, it's it's too much like the rest um, in style. Um, that I was I was definitely taken with that. Um, I mean, I'm always curious to see, you know, what footage didn't make it in for sure. And you're right, there are things that seem abbreviated. There are characters that seem um, to kind of drop in and then go away. There's one particular older man who we see um kind of break down in tears at one point i don't even know how to describe him <laughs> in great detail but he has a brief scene and then we don't return to him and i'm like mm-hmm. probably more of him in, or, in or the wife's role. father like mm-hmm. um or like we only have that the two scenes with bruno gantz like i swear bruno isn't even in the final decision like did he mm-hmm. die while they were shooting that you know what I mean? Like he was, I'm pretty sure I did not see hit the same person in his seat during the decision for Augustine to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean that more Matthias Schoenertz. Um, yeah. I feel like there's probably two hours of just, uh, your, your boy from transit and Augustine mm-hmm. just hanging out in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked his, his role in this. Um, yeah. I mean, I imagine there is more seems possible that there will be another cut. Um, for me, I think thematically, I kind of feel like I got, um, more than enough, um, that I don't know that like that much more footage would, would, would radically alter my, what I, what I got from it. Um, I mean, I think I'll, I'll still be kind of wrestling with the, the decision he made. I love how it's, it, depicts it to be somewhat of a mutual decision like it um not that malik would ever be one to really indulge in tropes but the dutiful white wife character right is what many filmmakers would that's where they might go awry here Mm -hmm. um but i love those quick scenes of them talking about it together Mm -hmm. um, which i thought were really moving um and you know the what the value is of um, rebellion when no one sees it, um, I think is um, something that wouldn't change that much for me with, with additional um, footage. Um, Yeah. That, that stuff is not what I'm necessarily pointing at. Like those particular things, like what you're talking about is the, I, I mean, right there, it's the, you know, how much does it change visually versus when it ends and he dies and we hear the death bell, how many people are affected by it? During the film, when she's walking through town, how many people are affected by his conscientious abjection? All of them are affected by it. So the, it's, it's a very interesting thing. I just, I think there is a whole, almost wholly different way of watching the film um, that still meditates on stewardship of the land and um the value of doing the right thing that just reads different yeah um and i'm not saying it'd be better i'm just saying i want to see it just different yeah um yeah i think for me kind of the linchpin and what i was able to take away from it and if i rewatch it maybe this i will realize that this was just 
I took this out of context, but there. So you're going to rewatch it? Well, at some point, I imagine. <laughs> Probably not imminently. <laughs> um, but um, I think there's a line from our main character's mom who says to his wife, like, he wasn't like this before he met you. Yes. Or something like that. Um, and, you know, if you read his decision as um, resistance because he thinks God will judge him um, just because of my own belief system, that doesn't resonate quite as deeply with me. Although Agreed. it's no less aesthetically appealing. Um, but the idea that um, it wasn't until he fell deeply in love with someone and built a family that he started to... Um, his, his moral instincts only intensified because of what the kind of world he wants his family to live in. Um, That's where it was rich me. for me. Yeah. And that seems very much in keeping with the theme of transcendent, transcendence in family that we get in like the tree of life. Yeah. Um, so that I, was definitely So that's where I, I'm kind of getting that metaphorical idea of stewardship, right? We're, we're seeing them be stewards of their town. We're seeing them be stewards of their church, of their country of the land of their family um and that it's important and that almost every shot of them when he's not in prison is them doing something for the community mm. for the land or enjoying each other's bond from the that is an extension of the bounty that that stewardship brings so to me this is like this is almost as metaphorically deep or more or equal whatever I want to say, I don't know, as Aronofsky's mother. Like, there's just so many different um, facets in this beautiful jewel to look at. Mm. It's interesting. I first reformed kind of darted across my mind, um, as that seemed to me like another character kind of tortured by the evidence of evil in the mm -hmm. world. Or what I, I just thought more about Paul Schrader than yeah. I did about that particular film yeah. i mean characters in a spiritual crisis that yeah, know, is, yeah. is territory i just um, picture schrader screaming at the sky with his fist balled up you know probably yeah <laughs> yeah this guy never lashes himself on the back no uh, <laughs> um but yeah that darted across my mind just this kind of um maddening contradiction between like what can be so beautiful in life like the natural beauty of the world and um, such evil at the same time and how that can just feel um, irreconcilable uh, and then there's unless the, you resist it. The implicity of um, or like the, the church's implicity in it w was interesting. Um, in a moment he goes to speak about his doubts with the bishop um, and the bishop won't actually say anything and then as they walk away there's a conversation that uh, and the bishop was played by Michael Nyquist um, and the, he, he mentions to his wife, who's played by Valerie Patchner, that he thinks that he couldn't talk about it because he has his own doubts and he suspects that Augustine is a spy. Mm -hmm. That, that had a lot of depth to it, um, to me, because I know that Malik is Christian and just mm -hmm. that he's willing to criticize the church. Um, I found very rich because the church was, um one of the biggest supporters financially of the Nazi party. Yeah. I assume he, I don't, I don't know much about uh, Malik personally, but I would have to think he's Christian, but definitely not Catholic. Correct. Um, <laughs> Maybe he had some kind of Catholic upbringing. I, and I don't since think that. so, but he's very non 
um, public. He does not lead a public life. He is very much the opposite of Paul Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is not an angry unbeliever. He is a um, deeply uh, empathetic believer. Private. Very yeah. private. Yeah. I, I don't I think like, that... I like the mystery. Yeah. I, I don't think that it would even be uh, too... Inv- too helpful to know the exact particulars uh, of his religion yeah. either so yeah yeah i mean that's always an interesting angle but mm-hmm. um there's just yeah. too much here that's depth for that to be truly uh to be helpful in pointing you towards the correct pole of north i guess yeah yeah so i think this was put out by fox searchlight who also mm-hmm. put out jojo rabbit and the shape of water so in a, in a year where we get both Jojo Rabbit and A Hidden Life, it seems like Jojo Rabbit's got more of the marketing dollars so far this year. It certainly um, does. To support that decision. Yeah, I I can't believe this is getting... Well, I believe it was supposed to get a wide release. I, I can't believe it will. I'm just glad that Fox paid to have it made. Um, and that he got paid real money to have something that comes out in theaters. I don't remember Night of Cups or Song to Song coming out in theaters. Voyage of Time did very brief stints at public institutions that have IMAX theaters like OMSI or the Pacific Science Center. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a long time since he's had anything be commercially viable or considered as such. Um, so that's nice just for you know any private investors to be like, okay, well, if a film company thinks it's worth it, then you know, let's pay for this movie. Yeah. Which to me, like you're right. It is great that it is, that has gotten a release. Um, to me, it's not like inaccessible by any means. Like, um, it's, it's, um, you know, kind of bold in its approach. And I don't know. I mean, I just would have to think that many audiences that are not going to see this would still find it deeply romantic and deeply moving. Um, because there's, there's, there's a, pretty clear narrative here um, I, I would agree and if the month was march i i i would be more pushing with you but this is in uh shot in the dark awards fair film um mm-hmm. that won't qualify for foreign language because they don't speak german which is one of the few things that really bothered me is the okay. that they didn't that. speak native german throughout um it really took me out of it because normally he's super um particular about like evoking the truth of a of an area and its time and you know that is a is a huge break for me that Mm -hmm. that definitely um is the biggest negative that i have with the piece um but i i just i can't imagine anybody who sat through blade runner 2049 and liked it but would never do that again would ever want to sit through this and you know and that that's kind of the next thing that i can think of that's three hours long that a wide audience went to see and even then you know a lot of people that liked it didn't like how long they had to sit there yeah and so i i mean it's a great for cinema fans the malik always has been i just to me it's like the new world the folks that want to see it are going to love it and the folks that are on the fence are going to have more complex uh, feelings about it. So it is hiding in theaters, but it is not entirely hidden. Go seek it out. 
that's a hidden life. And that's a wrap for this episode of Drinking the Movies. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! And that's another one in the can.